You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. Each week, a member of our staff shares a Devo, talking through a piece of our mission, vision, and culture. This is that Devo. Let's check it out. So one of the um, many Christmas traditions that we have in the Woodhouse is that Megan and I will watch It's a Wonderful Life while wrapping Christmas presents. So we do this every year. Um, it's something that we look forward to. And this happened to happen last night. We sort of had a chance to wrap Christmas presents. And we didn't even discuss or question what we were going to watch whilst we did it. It's known. It's what we do. We watch It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and it's a wonderful movie. It's fantastic. And it's obviously feel good. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a time I've watched it and haven't cried, um, which I'm hoping, you know, okay to admit. But uh, one thing that sort of struck me yesterday, not for the first time, but it reminded me again yesterday, is when he kind of comes to that famous ending, and I apologize if you haven't seen the movie, it was made in 1947. I don't feel bad about spoilers at this point. Um, But the climax of the movie where you've got, um, you know, George Bailey, someone who had spent his whole life failing and not able to fulfill his dreams and not able to, um, you know, sort of have, fulfill the grand plans and the grand vision that he had for his life. And instead he kind of stuck in this, you know, sort of small town in upstate New York where he kind of felt really sort of dissatisfied and all these things. And, you know, kind of come to the end of the movie and all these people in town are just ready to sacrifice deeply to help him get out of a jam. And what amazed me about it is that, you know, the, the whole idea of the movie, of course, is that, you know, as he's just gone through life, just doing the right thing and treating people well and, uh, you know, just sort of taking on that posture of a servant to kind of use a biblical idea from things, it, all of it kind of led to this point where people were just ready to just bend over backwards to help him. But what got me is that it wasn't these big dramatic gestures and these big overwhelming sort of, you know, high stakes things. It was just a life of... I'm going to help you out. Like, okay, we'll help you get a house figured out. And, you know, don't worry about my honeymoon. We'll worry about everyone else having enough money to get the groceries this week. It was just these these relatively small moments of just being there for people. These, these small moments of just putting other people first and, you know, not sort of worrying about whether you get a statue put up of you in town and not worrying if your name gets on a billboard, but just, I'm here to help. And the end result is that you can look back over your life. And of course, if you know the movie, you kind of know a lot more detail of how this is shown in the film, but you get to see that your life has just been so rich because you've affected positively so many people. So there's this great reminder last night and um, kind of got me thinking in preparation for today. This whole idea of serving, you know, George Bailey, and I know it's a fictional story and all that, but this idea of here's somebody that just spent their life serving. And each and every one of us knows somebody that has never pushed their way to the front of the room, has never sort of clamored for the spotlight, but they've just spent their lives helping people. I've got a short list in my mind, I'm sure you've got a short list in yours, of people who've just made it their life's work to just be ready to help people, give a lend, you know, lend a helping hand, do what they can. And those people have truly changed people's lives. And I think that we all know people that if they had a George Bailey emergency, they would have a George Bailey moment where everyone just rallies to do whatever they can. But it reminded me the importance of serving. And I think it's easy for us to say, and I think that we all know that it's the right answering in ministry that we're called to serve, that we're called to be the servants of all, that we're called to take Jesus' example of serving. I think we all know that and we all know it's the right answer. Um, But it is a challenge because it doesn't come naturally. And I think that for most people, it doesn't come naturally at all. Some people may come easier than others, but I don't think it comes naturally to any of us because we're, of course, selfish and sinful by default. But that's what we're called to do is to serve others. 
And so I looked at the Christmas story and the players that we're all familiar with and kind of considered how were they servants? How do we see servanthood in the Christmas story? And so as I kind of looked through it, I considered Mary. And Mary served through obedience. Mary was given a tough task to carry the Son of God, to bring Jesus up and bring him up knowing that this was a child of promise. The obedience that it took... I don't think any of us have had an equivalent that we can point to. No one ever will. I mean, Mary is a completely unique circumstance where she would give birth to the Son of God. The obedience required in that is a great picture and a great example of us for servanthood. And then we kind of look at Joseph. Joseph, he showed servanthood, and he served by showing trust. Trust in what Mary had told him. Trust in what the angel had told him. Trust that it was worth putting aside his own safety and his own security and his own reputation to continue to go forward with the marriage, even though there was probably whispers of scandal or at very least him and Mary having to get together to try and conceal her pregnancy. All these things, Joseph exhibited trust. And then we see the shepherds. The shepherds, um, the movie we showed, the chosen movie we showed as part of Carol's and Coco, um, I think they did a wonderful job of sort of presenting visually the enthusiasm of the shepherds. We kind of read in Luke that, you know, the shepherds kind of saw the baby Jesus and they ran all around town letting everyone and anyone that would listen that they have just encountered the Son of God. Like this was a wonderful picture that they show in the chosen of these shepherds running around and that enthusiasm is not cheap. I think we kind of think of things like enthusiasm and passion and excitable and our heads kind of go to kids at birthday parties. But this is not a two-dimensional thing. Being enthusiastic means that it's affected you so deeply that it's bubbling out of you. You know, passion is measured in time. Passion cuts through seasons. Excitability, that's depending on circumstances, but true enthusiasm and passion, it's there and it's present and it carries you through regardless of what's happening around you. That will drive us through. And the shepherds, I think, are a great example to us of that enthusiasm. And then we come to the wise men. And the wise men, how did they serve? They worshipped. I think so often the wise men, what's sort of remembered and what's notorious from their story and what we see in Matthew is that they brought those three gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And that's what they're known for. And I think if we were to sort of take a general poll of how did the wise men serve, they served by bringing gifts. But I think more significant than the gifts is the worship. The gifts were customary. When somebody of nobility from Persia in that culture, if they went to go and see someone that they recognized as a king, of course you brought gifts. That's not the weird bit. The weird bit, the unusual bit, the bit that stands out, the unique element of this is that they not only brought the gifts, because of course they brought the gifts. You brought gifts to everyone. What was unusual is they worshipped. They knelt down and worshipped. And I find this amazing is that these wise men, these magi, they had no biblical background. These were people that were outside of the promises of God. This was completely new to them. This was foreign to them. Maybe as they got closer to, uh, to Bethlehem, maybe they kind of learned a few things on their journey. They kind of a good estimate is it probably took about two years for them to get to the house where Joseph and Mary were now raising Jesus. Maybe in the two years, maybe they crossed some Jewish people to help fill in the blanks. Maybe their time with Herod when they were asking the questions. Maybe they learned something about the scriptures. But we certainly know with confidence they did not roll up with a deep knowledge of the Jewish background. And yet they came in and they knew enough that they need to worship Jesus. How did they serve? We could say they gave gifts. But I think that that's weaker than saying and recognizing they worshiped. They worshiped. And there was four characters 
Mary, she served through obedience. Joseph, he served through trust. And the shepherds served through enthusiasm. And the wise men through worship. And of course, none of this compares to how Jesus served. None of this compares to how Jesus served. One of the uh, uh, passages from Ephesians 5, where Paul is sort of trying to bring a fresh perspective of marriage to people, he says, you know, you know uh, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And it's an encouragement to husbands that you have to reflect, how did Jesus love the church? And likewise, that's how you should love your wife. And that's a huge challenge for husbands all around the world because how did Jesus love the church? He sacrificed everything. He put himself a very, very distant second to the people he was dying for. Jesus sacrificed everything, gave everything. He loves, he protects. Jesus serves in the ways that no one else can. Jesus is the greatest servant of them all. Mary, obedience, Joseph, trust, shepherd's enthusiasm, a wise man through worship, and Jesus, understanding how he served humanity. That's a lifetime to unpack. And even into eternity, we will continue to grow in our understanding of how Jesus served humanity. So Lord, as we think about Christmas and all the busyness, Lord, even an example from fiction, from George Bailey, just the, uh, the great picture of what it means to serve a community and to make a positive difference in a community. Lord, may we, uh, may we feel the challenge from these people as they show us what it means to be a servant, what it means to serve whether it's obedience or trust or whether it's the enthusiasm or whether it's through worship, Lord, we keep our eyes fixed on you. And Lord, we remind ourselves that you serve better than anyone. You served in greater ways than anyone. And Lord, we wanna be like you. Lord, we love you, we trust you, we honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.